The Road to Iran Within minutes of leaving Istanbul, the bus was trundling over a suspension bridge that spanned the Bosphorus Strait. By crossing that brief arc in the road, I left Europe and entered Asia. Changing continents always excited me. As thrilled as I was to be on the move, I still felt bad about Susie. When I decided it was time for me to head east, I pretended to downplay what good friends we had become. My attempt to be casual was poorly handled. Departure time from the hostel was about 10 at night, and I tried to be quiet and avoid disturbing those who were sleeping. One of those was Susie. But as I headed for the door, I heard a soft, Hey! I looked back, and Susie was propped up on her bed. Good luck, she said. I didn't even go back and hug her, and I should have. I hoped she was still in the habit of forgiving cloddish men. The bus was full of chatter as 20 of us began what was to be a long journey, and one that we knew might end in a U-turn if the border was blocked and we had to return to Istanbul. But we rolled the dice and rolled happily towards Iran, despite the Islamic upheaval that was roiling the country. On board was an Austrian named Dieter, who laughed at my middle name, Xavier. He was six foot tall, barely 20 years old, had shoulder-length blonde hair, and his English was excellent. We met at what claimed to be a hostel in Istanbul. It was an unheated barracks with frost on the windows and boards for beds. It was priced perfectly for our needs. We prowled the city streets, which were jammed with horses, ancient trucks, and vintage American cars. At the time, Turkey had very few modern cars, and the old Fords, Chevys, and Chryslers were babied and looked ready for an antique auto show. Dieter and I marveled at all the 1950-era American cars and the care they received. Any car that wasn't moving was getting wiped down as floor mats put on the street face down so that other cars would trample the dirt out of them, a version of rug beating. Above us were thick streams of wires bundled together with rope. They sagged so low it seemed like a passing bus would snag them and unplug the entire neighborhood. Amid the din of this urban cacophony were men fishing off of bridges that vibrated under the constant hammering of traffic. When they smiled, their teeth were disturbing blood red from Beetlejuice. Dieter had black leather boots that were his travel extravagance. At a time when most of us wouldn't let go of a coin in any currency if we could avoid it, Dieter paid to have his boots polished and buffed. And outside the fabled blue mosque, he paid someone to make sure no one would take his now glistening boots, which stood out among the rows of sandals and dusty shoes left by the faithful and the tourists.